Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Hey, Ashley. How you doing? Hey, girl. Hey, new week. I'm doing great. Still in Ohio. How are you? (laughs) I am super excited about today's recap. The Harder They Fall. It came out literally a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Hot. Um, Very, very hot. So it was released in theaters October 22nd and on streaming Netflix. On November 3rd, it is rated R. It's a Western drama, two hours and 17 minutes long. And here's a quick synopsis. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge. All right, Ashley, we have a hot hot cast of stars from Black Hollywood. (laughs) Hollywood in general, okay? So this movie stars Jonathan Majors, aka He Who Remains. (laughs) Check out our Loki recap as Nate Love. We have Zazie Beats as Stagecoach Mary. We have Leroy Lindo as Baz Reeves. Lakeith Stanfield as Cherokee Bill, Danielle Deadweiler as Cuffy. We have Eddie Gathergy as Bill Pickett. We have RJ Seiler as Jim Beckworth. We have my fave Damien Wayans Jr. But I don't in an unexpected role. In an unexpected role. He actually doesn't have a, a name on there. Yeah, they never, yeah, no. No. We have Dion Cole as Wiley. We have the great Regina King as treacherous Trudy Smith. And we have, last but certainly not least, Idris Elba as Rufus Buck. This film was written and directed and produced by Jamie Samuel. This is his largest project. He's worked with Hove in the past for his legacy video. Um, we have Jay-Z as a producer and James Lannister. What is this? Boys Yankin and Lawrence Bender, also producer for this Love that James film. Lassiter was involved. You know, oh, he works you. with Wheel, Overbrook he Entertainment. Does. He does. All right, Ashley, Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie, the critics, 87%, audience scores, 93%, and Google users gave this film 83%. Ashley, what's your score? So this gets an A- from me. 
And I'm going to say at the end, because I did have something in my notes early, but I'm going to save it because it could be a little bit of a spoiler as to why it gets a minus. But to your point, the cast was an all-star squad. Storyline was compelling enough to keep my attention throughout. And I did not see that twist at the end coming. So, you know, gave me Kill Bill vibes. Love to see Black representation across the board. So, yes, for Black Westerns in real life, people represent it. Minus that whole stage coach Mary colorism controversy with Zazie. And the music. Of course, the music was on point expected nothing less since jay-z aka hove was involved what about you actually uh the director had all his hand in that <laughs> i'm sure jay kind of co-signed it but um jamie samuel they are also known as uh bullets <laughs> well my bad jamie i'm giving the credit to hove look at you <laughs> sir do your thing i gave this film a b plus I really did enjoy it. All-star cast. It gets a B plus because Westerns aren't my vibe. <laughs> it's a lot of posturing, a lot of looking into the distance. And I'm just like, okay. But it was well done. Highly entertaining. Highly recommend the ending. I did enjoy. I had some inkling, but I wasn't exactly sure. But we'll get there. And yeah, I, I, I'm such a fan of Jonathan Majors. I'm such a fan of literally everyone on the cast. So it was just a good time all around. Indeed. All right. So time for our spoiler alert. So Ashley, you kind of brought this up already. So apparently Jamie was, has a huge love for Westerns. Uh, and he also was very into looking up Black people who were out West back in the day. So according to Essence Magazine here, he was very adamant about casting people based off of their swagger. And to your point also, Ashley, you know, people are talking about the Zazie controversy of Stagecoach Mary, which... She was a full-figure, dark-skinned woman who did her job very well for the post office. But apparently a lot of the other characters <laughs> were cast based off swagger and not true descriptions either, i.e. Rufus, was a light-skinned man, and he was executed at 18 years old. Jeez. We all know that Idris Elba is nowhere near any of that. No. <laughs> no, ma'am. Also, Cherokee Bill was mixed race, so he was lighter skinned. Again, a lot of these characters in this movie were real people, but they did not meet the true physical attributes of the people they portrayed. And they actually might not have interacted in real life at all either. For him, again, reference, referencing this Essence article, he said that it's like the Avengers of Black cowboys and cowgirls from back in the day just coming yeah. together yeah. and creating some type of fiction. So Yeah, and I appreciate that, that clarity on the casting. But again, I think it's easier to do the brown skin for a light skin in real life than if you're light skin in real life and the person was brown skin, right? Because we already yeah. have the issue of, well, there are not a Colorism. lot of roles 
for people who are brown skin and dark skin within the entertainment industry. Absolutely. So, and yeah, especially nah. with the character in this movie, what she represents too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She was far from a damsel in distress, but you know, she was in some hairy situations every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and we'll get into it, but the idea of brown skin women and light skin black women and desirability. So yes. Yes, 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 ma'am. So the film opens up with a quiet family dinner. We are out west. There's a lot of land and a house. You have a father who looks like he's out of the cloth. You have the beautiful mother (laughs) who we know from. She's got to have it series. Love her. (laughs) And from our recap of fatherhood. Yes. Check that out with Johnny. That's the one thing Netflix is really good for. Like Netflix has the same formula as the BBC. Like they utilize the same actors in the yeah. company. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry, Noah Centineo. I don't know what happened with you, baby. <laughs> you was hot on these Netflix streets for a while. <laughs> he may have another comeback. And then we have a young boy. They get a knock at the door. A very mysterious man comes in. The father looks terrified, but he has few words with this mysterious gentleman and says your quarrel is with me leave my family alone all we see is this mysterious man sit down at the head of the table with his shiny gold guns he proceeds to kill the father and the mother and there's this other guy with a scorpion on his hand holding on to the little kid and we see this red razor and the next thing we see is a big T or a cross that says somewhere in Texas. But before we get to that part, what are your thoughts about the setup of this movie? So I think it immediately painted this villainous character in the film because yeah. we don't have any backstory on what the beef is between this man coming in yes. and this family, right? So it just seems so brutal. And then to scar a child with, uh, a cross in their forehead is disgusting um, for lack of a better word. So I don't like the guy who played the dads because we still have beef from soul food, but still he didn't have to take out everybody without any context. So it immediately just painted as like this villainous situation and this villainous character is coming in and murdering uh, a child's parents. Exactly. Honestly, our view is one of the child's, right? The terror. So I feel like as an audience member watching this movie, all my emotions is of the little boy, right? Mm -hmm. You have no idea what's going on. All you know is these strange men ruined your life. So we have some time later in Texas and we see a Spanish-speaking pastor shows up. And then we have Jonathan Major's character, which at this point we did not know his name. And he says that he's here to kill Scorpio. And (laughs) without any hesitation, he kills this man. And he tells the pastor who was hiding behind the pews to turn him in because he's wanting you to get some dollars. And uh, the guy was like, well, why don't you turn him in? And he's like, because I'm wanted two for 10. Mm -hmm. That That was fun. 
I uh, I definitely got Kill Bill vibes. Absolutely. When, in the church. Mm-hmm. In the church. In the church. Cold-blooded. And then, you know, to your point, Ashley, we see right away the cross on his forehead that's undeniable. So we're just like, you're the little boy and you ain't playing no games, are you? Out here, He's street. out here to avenge his family. I also like the way they set it up as he's mimicking everything the guy's saying. Please don't stop. You know, every word he's saying, mm-hmm. Jonathan Major's really mimicking. There's no need to have any more words because you know what you did. Exactly. What did you think about him removing the collar from the scorpion? Do you think the scorpion was probably truly changed or do you think he used that as a way to hide in plain sight? He may have been changed, but those sins of the past have come back to haunt you. So to me, it doesn't even really matter whether or not you changed your ways because you did some horrible things that obviously have caught up to you now in present day. And I think it's going to be such a parallel as we go through the film of people who have done atrocities and hide behind the cloth. So I thought this was interesting. We get the credits here in the beginning of the movie and it pretty much spells out the two main games that we'll be following for the rest of the film. Uh, Nat loves game and Rufus Buck game. So let's go ahead and get into the big event that caused all of these things to move into motion. So basically, Nat Loves Gain is essentially the Robin Hood of the West. They don't steal from banks themselves, but they steal from the robbers <laughs> of those banks. And we see his gang, particularly Bill and Jim, steal from the, the Crimson Hood gang. We find out very quickly that that wasn't a very wise thing to do because half that money belonged to Rufus. As your boy Damon Wayans with those horrible teeth enlightens them about. I was like, whoa, there was no dental care in the West. You right. Mm." That was one thing I did enjoy about this movie is seeing some funny men in a different light. Like, I was like, yes, come through with uh, changing things up. Because obviously him and Dion are such funny men, right? Mm -hmm. You never see them in this serious shoot them up Let them Light. spread their wings. Like I said about Zach Efron. That's why I need to see Zach Efron take <laughs> on some different roles. Spread them wings. Well, you said that to me privately, Ashley, not on the mic. Oh, so. well, guys, I had this conversation with Delora already. <laughs> I can't remember between what I say on the podcast and what I say offline anymore. But yes, love to see actors who have the opportunity to step outside of what we know them as to be able to spread those wings. Yes. Part of the issue with what uh, Damon Wayans' character was saying was that, according to Nat Love's game, they're like, well, Rufus is in jail for life, so how is he getting out? And he was like, I don't know, but he's getting out. That interaction ends up spilling over to Douglas Town, where we are at Stagecoach Mary Saloon, where there's no guns allowed. We are introduced to Cuffy who is, in my notes, that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Weapons in the saloon. That's that's something I don't think I've ever seen in a Western before. 
But it makes a lot of sense because it allows her to have such control over the environment that she creates in her saloon. Because back then, people would just roll up and have their gunfights and shoot them up. And yeah, I want people to come here and feel safe and be able to have a good time. If y'all want to do all that, you can step outside. If I need to kill you, then I know I can do that without a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Because Mary was the only one who was packing her and Duffy in the saloon. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Matt makes his way to the saloon and he and Stagecoach Mary have some unfinished business. Basically, she's over him because he let his revenge get the best of him. And she was like, I'm not going to make myself available for you no longer. What do you think about the fact that Nat was so consumed by his rage that it just literally interfered. It well, I shouldn't say interfere, but it penetrated every area of his life. What do you think about that? I think it makes sense in terms of what we've seen him go through because I don't think you would get over something like that that happens to you as a child. Mm-hmm. And um, it's obviously created this necessity he has to be a part of a gang and to live the life he lives. I don't know what type of jobs all existed back in Western times, but clearly he's chosen a path of crime. So boy, (laughs) (laughs) clearly he's chosen this path of crime. And I think that was very much informed. So, you know, we don't really get a lot of info on the history between he and Mary, but you know, he's a bit on this path for a long time. So I think she met him knowing what he was about. And unfortunately, you know, I agree that you dipped and I've moved on and I've become the successful businesswoman and I'm not about to let you come back here and throw me off my game. So I'm going to show you what you're missing and then I'm going to show you what it is. I love that scene. Yes. yes, (laughs) This was actually one of my favorite scenes because obviously she still had a thing for him and vice versa. And they were about to get it on when Bill shows up and he was like, were y'all about to make the sex? So the guys came and Nat is face to face with David Williams Jr. And he basically was like, the games are coming together because Rufus is getting out and uh, y'all shouldn't have stole this money. And Nat being a wise gangster did let him go because he was like, it's called the Crimson Hood Gang, not the Crimson Hood, you know? (laughs) There's more of them. There are more of them. For a minute, I, I was thinking they were saying Crips and Hoods gang. I was like, what? And then I oh. finally realized that they said Crimson Hood once they made reference to the pink. They were like, oh, y'all used to yes. be red. Now you're looking real pink. I was like, oh, okay. I was about to say, oh, y'all take y'all making this deep. So what's so funny was I put red hood and then I was like, oh, no, it's supposed to be Crimson. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. We now transition to Rufus Buck's game. There's a movie train, Ashley, like every great Western, and Treacherous Trudy stops it. And she kills the conductor when he started to say, you stupid nincompoop. That's what uh, Cherokee Bill said. He said, you could have been saying nincompoop. What I thought was interesting was um, in that essence article I was referencing earlier, the director and screenwriter was extremely adamant 
about having a film and not incorporating the N-word. He said, just because it happened back in the day does not mean we need to say the N-word throughout the whole film. For mm-hmm. me, I was feeling the shade he was giving Tarantino. Yeah, to Django. His mother-loving mind with his use of N-word dictating the same period. What do you think about that choice? I think that it is absolutely his creative license to make that decision, regardless of whether it's factually accurate, especially because he is a black man, I'm assuming. He is. So he's, he's from the UK, but very much a black man. So, you know, I'm his thoughts and his experience. I put a little on a, on a higher tier as a black person. <laughs> so whatever you wanted to do with this, or if you chose to do it, if you chose not to do it, it wouldn't have bothered me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I understand the that, it, you know, the the potential of what that could the level of discomfort that could cause as viewers if we had to listen to that repeatedly throughout this film. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, First of all, I love the choice because I don't actively use the word like ever. I typically only use it if I'm like literally quoting somebody, maybe for a punchline, but I, 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 I would rather say fuck than the n-word <laughs> so that's where i stand but that's just me uh i have plenty of friends who have no problems with that word at all yeah because um, it's a it's a it's a it's within the community it's our decision it to make which is what i'm saying about yes. even the director's choice right is tarantino that's a whole nother conversation yeah but if the director makes this decision then right that's within and the so community for him to wh- decide what i was saying was I find it interesting that he decided to highlight and obviously my mind went to Tarantino, but there are elements of this film that gave me reminiscence of Tarantino as well. So I think, I think you can, you can gain inspiration, but you can also reject some ideas as well. But I just thought that was an interesting, what do they call it? A juxtaposition uh, to have. So basically uh, Rufus gang stops the train because He's on it, Ashley. These soldiers were all self-righteous. And we find out that General George Price give a full pardon to Mr. Buck and his associates for taking care of Lieutenant General Abbott's team on that train. Apparently, they were some shady men in, in uniform. Mm-hmm. They shot up uh, and killed a whole town for some silver. Ashley, the first thing that came to mind when I heard all this, well, isn't this some unscrupulous shit? No, I'm just <laughs> Gina's but, accent, Regina's accent bothered me throughout this film, though. I cannot I lie to you. Actually, that was actually one of my questions later on because I'm like, what is this accent? I mean, I obviously... As an actor, I'm sure she made the choice to get out of her own voice to be this heartless woman, badass, what have you. But I didn't know the source. Like, was there a speech impediment? Was it a particular part of the West she was from? Exactly. Where's this dialect? What region? Because it was difficult for me to get past. Like, it was almost comical. You know what? This is me doing some critical thinking. She could have come from, you know, descendants of slaves, obviously, quote unquote, people who were enslaved 
dialect was broken, right? Because they had their own language, but obviously they didn't read or write. So maybe she was doing a play on that. I don't know. We have to hear her get interviewed and talk about it because I need to know. (laughs) Because that's another thing that's fascinating about the, the, the real life cowboys and cow women that uh, Jamie used a lot of them, you know, this was shortly after the Civil War. So a lot of them were born into slavery, but then they were no longer slaves and they found their own independence and things out West. So I don't know, this me trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I agree <laughs> wholeheartedly. I was like, what, what are we doing, sis? <sighs> we got the big bad entrance, Ashley. Rufus. I mean, the level of cold-bloodedness throughout this movie, Ashley, were, did you love it? Was it disturbing? What are your thoughts? In this scene, it didn't really bother me because I realized that, again, with them having this whole pardon situation, everyone was going to die. I mean, the fact that my thought was, as the guy, the lieutenant, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even opened up the vault because they're going to kill me anyway. She just Regardless. said... They, yeah. they got the part and because the general wanted them to take out this whole group of people. So why would I think that I'm somehow going to be the reason with them to not kill me? Right. But this whole scene, the whole setup to the scene, I definitely enjoyed because Regina King on horseback in the middle of a damn train track immediately showed her level of fearlessness. You have Cherokee Beal coming on talking about now. I don't like violence. I don't, I don't want to do this, but this, these are some violent people. So, you know, it's just this whole, you know, and Lakeith Stanfield, we love, it was just this yeah. whole, you know, humorous setup to kind of juxtaposition with the violence and the violence that was mm-hmm. ensuing. But I like the way that they went about it. My thought too in this scene, Delora, was this rescue did not take as much effort as I would have thought. But then Ooh. again, it's probably the error, right? Because how else yeah. are you going to protect a prisoner who's being transferred? Like you don't yeah. have the level of security or technology or transportation nope. that we have now. So what else are you going to do? You're going to put his ass on a train and put him in a vault and you're going to yeah. hope that that is enough, right? In the dark. Okay. Yeah. No, that um, vault was, I mean, full of lockdown but it to me it was just still so easy so I love the scene and the violence (laughs) doesn't bother me yet Mm, I think it might have been easy because I think in some ways they were setting up how ruthless Rufus game really is you know what I mean they make it look easy but they are so heartless and cutthroat that it's like anybody can get it anybody can get it Anytime. And you know, one other thing, you know, one other thing in this thing that I had thought about was in the moment where Regina was like, we have a full part. And I was like thinking, why didn't you say that earlier? You didn't have to kill, you didn't have to harm all these people along the way. If you had, we could have straight up said, listen, we have a pardon for Rufus. But I think the point was supposed to be all these people about to die anyway, because yeah. they're all really bad people. Yep. Well said. Well said. So yeah, no, the violence didn't bother me yet. We not on the level of our last recap when we were talking about Squid Game and I could barely make it through my first and second watch. We're not on that level with this film. What's your leg? <laughs> we're going to go ahead and go to Redwood City. Basically, Redwood is Rufus main town Cherokee Bill referenced it as the Mecca he left it in the hands of his 
once BFF Wiley, who's now the sheriff of the town, but they learned very quickly that they ain't got no money in town, Ashley. So the 25000 that was stolen, obviously, by Nat's game, put them at a disadvantage. But they only had $2,400 in the bank. That kind of made me sad that it was like the all-Black town, and that's all they had, you know, in the bank. I felt some type of way until I realized that Rufus, to me, was willing to do this by any means necessary, even if it hurt the Black residents of that town. Yeah. So I felt some type of way until then, and I'm sure you're getting to it. Oh, yeah. Rufus in the game realized that it's Wally probably playing a major role in why so little money's in the bank also, because he was out here selling the land off. Um, we are introduced to Wiley in a very raw, raw state, practicing what he's going to say to Rufus, which proves to me that he did not have the kahunas necessary to face this man. At all. And uh, they eventually, his, his men switched up on him so quickly, Ashley. Were they like, ever really his men was my I question. got whiplash. I'm like, yeah. does he have any loyalty? No, I don't think they were ever really his men, to be honest. I think they were just playing a little role until Rufus returned. That's what I was thinking. And the big bag came <laughs> walking right up. And uh, again, Wiley wanted to fight his way, but that didn't last very long because when Trudy gave him that gun and he decided to give Wally the ass whooping of his life, Oof. teeth flying out and all. I literally just have in my notes, damn, in all caps. You know, in my notes, I have, this is the wild, wild west <laughs> where cheap shots are taken and you can cheat with a gun. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... Like we were kind of talking about uh, at our last recap also. What do you do when there are no laws? Like it's easy to be an outlaw when you really, when the laws are just a great suggestion. Well, And he was supposed to be what, the sheriff of the town too? Girl, so if the sheriff yes. has no power or authority from Rufus, then nobody is safe. But there's always has to be that one, right? There always has to be that one that is a sellout. And I think this was supposed to show the consequences Mm. of being a sellout so i feel it, it was painful it was painful to watch it was painful to watch so it was all to, about me 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 so mm, can't feel that bad for that ass whooping <laughs> that's very true very true marshall bass reeves comes into town he goes into stagecoach mary's saloon and he pretty much gets nat for stealing the gold or stealing all the money from the Crimson Hood gang who stole it from the bank, right? Um, we find out quickly that they are in alliance with one another. That game was like, do you think we're that stupid? I have to say, after watching it twice, I was unable to pick up the familiarity between Nat and the Marshall until the great reveal of him taking the you know cups off his hand were you able to pick up on that right away 
Yeah, I picked up on the fact that they were like in cahoots, but I didn't understand necessarily where the alliance came from. Mm. Um, initially, it was like I was trying to figure out, well, what it where where is the intention behind this team up? And then I realized, oh, we're both after the same person. So the enemy yeah. of my enemy is my friend type of yep. deal. Yep. Because I was also wondering, I'm like, did they team up before? But I don't think so. I don't think that's the case either. But everybody knew that Nat had a thing for Rufus. So well, also Bass Reeves is a badass. I mean, he made it clear. Yeah. I brought in Rufus Buck alone. Okay. Alone. All y'all want to keep calling this man the devil. He's a mere mortal. And I brought that Ooh. man in solo. So Bass Reeves, in my opinion, was arguably the biggest badass of the film. He really was. He really was. And I, I agree with that. That his line about who the devil really was was kind of funny to me, and that's all I say to that. For sure, for sure. <laughs> we go back to Redwood, and we find out that Treasure's Trudy was upset that Rufus loved Redwood to to Wally, and he justified it as, "Well, who would have been able to take care of the, you know, keep the games together or whatnot?" Do you think he was giving her lip service, or do you really think that? being the head of Redwood was an easier job between the two. Oh, big facts. I don't think that was just lip service. She could do what Wiley did, but Wiley could never do what she did, right? Like Trudy was very skilled at, you know, doing whatever she needed to do and did not care about violence or whatever means she needed to do um, to get get the job done. As she said, she, yeah, she believed in Rufus wholeheartedly in his mission and what he wanted to do. And arguably, um, her role was more essential because she was the person who was going to have to help fund the town. So being there sitting idly, like I can't, I think Trudy would have been bored, but I get her point. I get her point that in her mind, it's probably like, but this is the position of power to really protect what you're trying to create. So I got what she was saying, but what Mm -hmm. I could never discern was Mm -hmm. were they fucking like, I mean, I I could never understand whether or not it was a romantic, romantic entanglement get that sexual vibe from them i mean to be honest i didn't get that vibe from her at all (laughs) i realized this movie wasn't very sexy either maybe that's why it was rated r because anything else would have been ma i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) well you know you had the the nate and mary situation but yeah that was short-lived though that was not but i just couldn't tell because like when they first rescued them you know, he did the laying his head on her shoulder. And then it was just always this thing with like the eyes. So it's like, are y'all just, you know, partners and like in a game together? Or do y'all have a deeper situation? And I would say it probably is that type of loyalty type of situation that they have, right? Like, but I didn't get, I didn't get any sexual vibes from them. So that's interesting. That's a great question. To your point, Ashley, they are trying to build what they call the promised land, but again, by enemies necessary, and that includes terrorizing the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they essentially told the town that it'll be $50,000 for protection. And the one guy, James, who spoke up against it was shot and killed. This was some crazy shit. <laughs> no, it really was. I was just like, What's the point? It kind of reminds me a lot of, again, we're always referencing Game of Thrones, but that's just the more recent example of this trope of like 
you're so obsessed with having this kingdom or having the power that the people are disposable. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand that. Like, is it worth building people? Is it yes. worth building if you'll kill and maim all the people in the town to do it? You kept saying, well, who is this for? If it's supposed to be for the people, why would you harm the people? They literally said, we will burn your you and your prop. Everything you love will burn if you don't do this. Girl, insanity, insanity. And again, these kind of movies are very interesting, very toxic testosterone driven right like Mm -hmm. i'm the badass i'm cutthroat giving me scarface vibes giving me major godfather vibes you know were you in oh godfather is a good one as Mm -hmm. we close godfather is a great one actually okay are you impressed with this level of ruthlessness no i'm not impressed Like I said, what is all of this for? To me, the whole Rufus trying to build a black Mecca was intended to try to show that there was a method to his madness. But again, what is your point and purpose if you will harm the very people you're supposedly trying to uplift? And he kept saying, oh, I, this isn't a dream. I don't dream. This isn't this. I, I don't this. This is an example. Well, this is an example of what? That you'll kill everybody who speaks against you? If that's the case, then it's just going to be you and your little gang here enjoying the fruits of your labor. And what's the point of that? What is the point? So I didn't, I was not impressed. And I honestly felt like he went against everything that he supposedly believed in with the way that he treated the people. Like if this, you're not, you're not a savior for black people in this film in any type of way for me, if you're willing to do such harm to the very black people that you say that this is all for. Looks like Wally met up with the love game (laughs) um there was a lot of interesting conversations had there uh, um how did he find them by the way they how did he find them well i can see it happening because i mean he was banished so to speak right so and we knew that nat and his game were plotting so i think it was very much possible <laughs> it just seemed like he just rolled up on them like we out in the middle of a freaking wilderness or what desert or wherever we are you just roll yeah. up on people randomly there's no social media there's no technology how'd you find you see, there's true. no gps <laughs> but there were only so many roads in in and out of town back maybe in the day, that's right? the case maybe that's the case so yeah, none of Nat's game trusted what Wally had to say. Um, so Mary made it up in her own mind that she was going to go get some intel in Redwood. Nat was not for it. I don't blame him. Do you think it was a good idea for her to go into town? No, I literally put my notes was Mary foolish to go roll into Rosewood solo. Absolutely, she was foolish. You're dealing with a level of ruthlessness that to me, doesn't make sense in terms of your judgment because Mary has always seen from what we've seen thus far to be very intelligent. Again, she's a female entrepreneur in a time when women did not necessarily have those type of opportunities. Exactly. And then you are doing this for what purpose? You know, I think she was blinded by her independence in some way. Like I'm a valid member of your gang and, you know, let me do this because in some ways, to your point earlier she had built herself in his absence so she wanted to probably show off her cachet right i also feel like this was a 
this was about love because she even says this to Trudy. And I think it was more about love that she initially wanted to admit because Nate Nat proposes and she says no and says that they're going to yeah. go their separate ways. So I think that she did this more out of selflessness and love for his ultimate cause than she probably even admitted to herself initially. But it was foolish. Very foolish. Before Ashanti. Before we get to Mary being in Redwood, there was a couple of things that happened at the campsite that I thought was worth mentioning. Uh, Cuffy said that she's faster than Jim when it comes to the draw. And she says, shiny, shiny things get shot. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was... Because Jim was all about bravado. Jim was all about trying to prove that he's the fastest gunslinger in the West, right? And he wants to go up against Cherokee Bill because he keeps hearing that Cherokee Bill is the fastest. But just even not only what she said, but also I love the throwaway line that Delroy Lindo as Bash Reeves said. He was like, I think y'all, y'all gonna die. Like that was Ooh, that was a line that, that a lot part. of people caught. I was like, that said he was like, I think all y'all gonna die. Like, Absolutely. who says that to somebody? <sighs> That's so funny. It's so true. So Mary finds out very quickly why they call Trudy treacherous. <laughs> she rolls up in the saloon in Redwood. She is in some ways mesmerized by their dance performer in all blue. Uh, She's lured to Rufus and they pretty much told her they don't believe in coincidences and the audacity of it all. And they knocked the shit out of her in the face she came in very arrogant too and i think to trudy's point their dynamic was so interesting to me because it almost felt like trudy at first was friendly towards her like she Mm -hmm. like almost had a oh what are you doing here hey girl like almost if this was modern day she would say hey girl hey like hey girl hey what's up what's going on but she disrespected her by saying oh i don't talk to the help and all this so i think you know trudy enjoyed that blow to the head that she hit mary with Because to me, it was like we went from friendly to contentious real, real quick. Very, very quickly. But see, I don't know how she would have been able to play that because everybody, again, to my point earlier about Westerns, everything is about the posturing, about the puffed up chest, (laughs) the longing looks and everything like that. So I'm just like, okay, so... What was she supposed to do, right? What, she wasn't I mean, supposed to be there. That's what she was supposed to do. Because <laughs> I think she underestimated, I think she underestimated how it was going to really come across. Like, mm, I agree with him. Yes. Like, Rufus is not dumb. So you thought yes. you were gonna come here after they know that the Crimson Hood got robbed? You think right. you was gonna come here and they would think that there was be no connection and no coincidence, and they know that you were involved with the, the Nate gang, like the Nat gang. I just don't understand where the what her thoughts were i mean i know she said oh they know i'm a businesswoman they know i'll be coming to try to buy up property and all this and that but yeah to me it was thin it was a very thin thought well and she had all that bravado just to come off nervous when she was talking to rufus did you notice that too yeah i love the way that they talked though like when trudy was interrupting her and she was like please give me the latitude to finish my thought or something like that she said (laughs) i was like i love the way they talk yes (laughs) 
play, bitch. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so classy. So classy. Oh, my gosh. Well, like I mentioned before, she got knocked out and became a hostage real quick. Oh, I hated it. Nat knew what was up because she didn't show up at dawn. They roll up as a group. We also get another flash of uh, Trudy talking to Mary about her sister, Mary, this whole monologue about her sister dying of polio. But before that, she was bullied by a girl named Hope. And Trudy got in trouble for not defending her sister. And her father beat her and decided to beat up Hope's family. But Hope was found dead. And I'm sure the <laughs> she was inferring that it was her sister that killed her. No, she was inferring that it was her that killed her. She oh. was in Trudy was inferring that I, even as a child, did what it took to protect people I love because this came on the heels of Mary saying that love, I did this for love is the only thing worth dying for, but you wouldn't know anything about that. So that's when she went mm. to this whole spiel to let her yes. know, like, sis, even as a child. I would take one out for my sister. So do you think her father sent her away because he knew she did it? Or yes. do you think, yeah. I think it was terrifying to think about a child being, having that, being capable of that and being that ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, had to true. be on some good son-ish. Like, oh my God. I'm glad that you explained that because I couldn't pick it up. And again, I watched it a couple of times and I'm just like, what is she inferring? And then obviously Mary's looking at her like, well, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the story. Like, yeah, like I'm not intimidated by this tale. I'm still not yeah. going to say anything. And let me say about Mary. I love that Mary was this independent woman, but I feel like they yeah. almost took away from her fierceness with this whole damsel in distress situation. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was an interesting... That was an interesting move, but in Westerns, there's always some type of damsel in distress, whether it's an individual or a town or what have you, you know what I mean? There's always a driving force for our protagonist, right? I mean, it could also be one of those things too, even though she was so independent because of the time she lived in, she was going to have some level of disadvantage regardless. I mean, that could be a possibility. I don't know. I mean... You know, there's sexism and and issues even still to this day. So that's not to say that I don't understand it. I just wasn't a fan of it. No, same, 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 same. When they came from behind her with that choke, though, that choke code, I was just like, yo. I was so ready for that dude. I was so ready for that dude to die. I felt like he took such pleasure out of inflicting pain on people. Yeah. I think that's where she was able to maintain her bad assery, right? Taking the hits and in the licks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't see her crying nowhere. Absolutely not. As I mentioned, the love game shows up at Redwood and girl, he's captive too. <laughs> They beat him up and in comes his first interaction with Rufus. The first time since he was 10 years old. Rufus is out here quoting Napoleon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, he also stated the reason why he gave that crust scar on Nat's face was so he'll see it when he comes back for him. He's like, I heard that you're essentially an angel of death. So whoever trespasses you, there's no mercy. You know, I'll let you free if you give me my money back plus 10K more. Yeah, that was very Kanye-ish with the Napoleon (laughs) comparison. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I'm interested. What? Well, just in the idea of, you know, that comparison between you and someone who in history has been proven to be great in whatever way. So, yeah, Yeah, it's just like, oh, of course, you're going to compare yourself to, you know, someone of that stature because that's the level of arrogance that you are at. Right. So that's how you see themselves. And Mm -hmm. then Rufus had the audacity to give Nat a token, which was the razor that he used to etch the cross in his face stone cold so in this proposition of um getting the money he knew that nat and his group didn't even steal from the banks but he was like i'm gonna ask you to cross the line that you don't typically cross and he's asking him to steal from the banks in the white town ashley we go to mayville and I laughed out loud when I saw that the white town was literally painted all white. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I love this so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Visually made a statement. Cuffy is in a dress, red dress. And again, really quick, talking about the whiteness of the town, the level of contrast, right? So Redwood is so vibrant. Even um, Douglas Town very colorful but one of the things that i absolutely loved is the name the names on like the train and the buildings were black people so the train that trudy and them blew up essentially was named after chadwick bozeman it was ca bozeman oh Um, i didn't even catch that and in the town one of the towns it was called um Jay Singleton's loans. Mm, so no one John Singleton. John. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then uh there was Carter and Carter after Beyonce and of Jersey Carter. <laughs> so they really um put a level of you know detail. Yeah. Um, Love that. In the in the towns and things like that. So they steal from the bank. They get the money they need. I thought it was too much when Matt was out here shaking hands with the with the manager and stuff like that like okay you are a black man stealing all these people's money and you out here trying to shake hands you need to go (laughs) that that was me screaming at the tv what did you think about that whole scene maybe it was supposed to show a difference in the way that he does things versus the way that rufus and his gang does things because i think one thing he even mentioned was that he it's not hard to rob a bank it's hard to rob a bank without killing without killing so he was trying not to murder anybody whereas you know Rufus Bucks gang they don't care they would have taken everybody out and left dead bodies in their wake so um, I also love this scene because it's showing a different side of Cuffy having to be feminine (laughs) and putting on this skirt and playing this little role and 
her character was one of my favorites in the film. So just to see an expansion on that with her and getting to see her and that kind of try to figure this out was interesting to me in terms of a plot line of the movie. Cause again, this goes against everything that Nat believed in. So how's he going to navigate this situation? Well, they get all the money they need. They're at the, their campsite and essentially they're saying, we got it, but we ain't going to give it to them. I was really surprised by that. Because I'm like, I do understand the logic of he's not going to let her go. The likelihood of that is very low. And the whole point was to have something he wants. I agree with them. Because again, to my point about the people on the train, if you give them what they want, either way, they're going to try to kill you. So in my opinion, I think it was wise to think it through and say, well, if we give it to them, they're just going to kill everybody anyway. Particularly, they're going to kill Mary. And probably leave me alive so that I have to deal with the pain of it. Because, again, this is, in Nat's mind, this is his arch enemy. This is the man who he has been going after his entire life. So, hell no, I'm not giving that mofo this money. He changed the trajectory of his entire life trying to find this man and all the men. This is the last man on his list to kill. Again, kill Bill. That hit list, this is is Bill, okay? This is the last one we got to get. Yeah, excellent point. They ride back into Redwood. There's a carriage that Marshall Reeves is pulling. Marshall Reeves is talking to Cherokee Bill. And the next thing you know, that entire carriage blows up. I was like, ooh, y'all came to play. Mm -hmm. Um, After that big explosion, he pretty much told Cherokee Bill, he was like, now it's just us and y'all. So the goal for that was to get the only the necessary players <laughs> in Again, the ring, so to speak. Showing the difference between the two because Rufus's little crew wouldn't have cared who was there. They would have killed anybody extra that needed to die. They would have been collateral damage. Yep. This is the big fight scene, right? Essentially. Uh, it started off pretty slow, right? It, you start off with a bang, but then the next thing you know... Cherokee Bill has his gun to Nat's head. And I was like, oh, so he's ruthless. Like, to me, that was the first sign of his ruthlessness, right? Like, you're willing to shoot somebody. I thought he was a coward. I thought that Cherokee Bill was potentially considered a coward for that era. Yes. Well, I I say ruthless in the the sense of, like, it is cowardly because anytime you're doing something behind their back is definitely cowardly but i guess what i'm trying to say is like he's dirty he plays very dirty yeah this is what i'm trying to infer mm-hmm. so the money does roll up and even with the money and the horse for mary cherokee bill pulls his gun out on nat's head but luckily jim is there jim is finally getting what he wanted to prove that he was the fastest draw in the west in his countdown to five The coward Cherokee Bill shoots him in the face and he is dead. Mm. His death is what really pulled the trigger when it comes to the momentum of the fighting um, that went on. The money eventually was blown up. Uh, Rufus was pissed. There was a fight between Treacherous Trudy and Mary that was insane. So essentially, they ran out of bullets and it was all a physical yeah but when mary picked up that shotgun and hit 
Trudy in the face, I screamed at the TV, Ashley. <laughs> did you? I did because I was like, I cannot imagine what it would feel like to be hit so hard with a piece of chunk of metal like that. Like, yeah. In but the mouth? She didn't check to make sure she was dead. She didn't check kill to make shots. sure she was dead. Kill shots are very important. <laughs> Especially when you have a name like Treacherous Trudy, okay? Very true. Damon Wayans comes out of the blue and shoots Nat in the shoulder. Are you freaking serious? Where did you come from? The Crimson Hood gang comes rolling into town in the midst of all the fighting. Luckily, the marshal kills him. (laughs) But we have a wounded protagonist and he still has to meet the big bad. Wally is there with a bunch of dynamite. He gets into the main building to talk to Rufus, and Rufus cuts that conversation short. (laughs) One thing that Wally was unable to do this whole time was speak up to this man. The way that Rufus literally blew him away (laughs) kind of stuff also reminded me a little bit of Quentin Tarantino, too. Like, some of the fast pace, some of the the bloodiness of it all, you know what I mean? And even the slow-mo with certain scenes, like when people get shot, kind of the slow motion in the air for a second. And then, yes. you know, oh, yeah. Especially for the, the first kill of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the Scorpio. Absolutely. Cuffy was true to her word. She was fast with the draw because she kills Cherokee Bill. But he kills her after he cowardly kills Bill. In the back. The- in the effing bag. Ashley, I was so stunned. And they were supposed to be Native American brethren. Um, again, their real characters were like mixed race with Black and Native American. And they kind of alluded to it with some of uh, the conversation that Cherokee Bill had. Like on the train, he was like something about the great spirit. And even what he had to say to Bill before he died, he was like, it's bad me. karma. It's bad karma to die afraid or scared. That or annoyed like that. me so much. That scene annoyed me so much. I didn't even watch it again a second time. I fast forwarded through that. I was like, I want to see this ish again. I could have <laughs> came through the TV at Lakeith on that. I was like, how dare you? You shoot somebody in the back and then try to talk to them as they're dying about the way that they should go out. Like, bruh. I'm so glad he got killed right after that. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, Cuffy for the win. Um, what did you think about Latif and some of his choices, though? Because this is the second film this year where he is a coward. Ooh, ooh. I'm Judas and the Black Judas Messiah. Messiah. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think that he seems like he's one of those actors who wants a challenge and probably some of these roles are challenging. And I also think in this case, again, he added a lot of humor in some of the scenes. So I enjoyed him up until the point I started realizing that the way he goes about his killings are, especially for the time, cowardly because most people do the whole shoot off, the standoff thing and give each other a chance and see who's the fastest. So I think... His, this character is not the Judas and the Black Messiah character for sure, right? Um, right. That's more the, could be arguably more of the Wiley character in terms of being a sellout type of thing. Yes. But, yes. but to your point about this character in particular, I think that it was, you know, he was able to display a little bit of humor, but also be a part of the action. So I'm sure he picked it because it was still juicy, but it was, it's not a good look. I hated him. 
I hated his character after after all was said and done. I was like, you talk Absolutely. about not liking violence. So for a minute, I was like, do you not do you not want to shoot people directly because you don't like violence? At the end of the day, you're still killing them. So no, it shouldn't make a difference. You just didn't want to die. You just didn't want to. And and is that how you got your reputation for being so fast? Is because you shot people before they had a chance? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And not literally drawing, but drawing in the sense of without any rules. Because yeah, are it was all a facade outlaws the big reveal of the movie ashley nat is finally face to face with the man he has been tracking down his in most of his life frankly i think it's very interesting i knew something was up when you see rufus sitting there taking a swig of some whiskey going to going into story time right there's always that <laughs> villain speech um part of me when i first saw this movie was under the impression that he knew it was inevitable that nat was going to have face to face with him but then everything that he was you know fighting for was literally up in flames like all the money that they were going to use for rebuilding redwood is now gone so it just seemed like he was just tired. <laughs> I don't know. How, how did you take his reaction to Nat when he first came in for the big, big fight? I think it was he had realized it was inevitability because all his people had gotten taken out at that point. Um, there was nobody to help to, to be left to help him. Not that he necessarily needed help, but I also think that he had I think he had realized that he was possibly going to meet his end and Mm. so he was sitting there just drawing it out but I will say I love that for once the big bad at the end is not it's not this epic battle it was more so an emotional battle than it was a physical battle because in Mm. most movies and tv shows we see that the end big bad is such a physical confrontation it is it is and I think that was one of the things that impressed me the most about the ending of this movie right as I mentioned, he goes into story time. So he talks about his childhood and how his father was an outlaw and that he was not a good man and that he killed his mother at the age of 10 and took everything and left. He goes on to ask Nate about his father. Of course, he was like, my father was a good man. He loved my mother. You killed them. You took them away from me. We find out that Rufus was driven by revenge just as much as Nat. And he looked high and low for his father for many years. And he found him as a new man, clean cut, sober, a man of God. (laughs) And we find out that they are indeed brothers. Ashley, what were your thoughts about this big reveal? Again, I had absolutely no idea. I was learning it at the same time as Nat. And I was like, oh, shiggity. Wow, it makes so much sense. And I was trying to reconcile with how I felt about Rufus after learning this information, after learning he was also driven by his revenge. And in this Mm -hmm. case, for his father. father. And again, this is the whole, you mentioned the Godfather. You recall Mm -hmm. Michael Corleone killed his own brother. And so 
this whole brothers, you're really a buck, you're not a love. It did humanize Rufus for me personally, in Mm -hmm. a way that I didn't feel because I didn't understand what drove him. I didn't understand anything about Mm. his character until this moment. And you realize what he went through. And the same as Nat was so traumatized, what happened to him as a child, obviously, same thing with Rufus. Well said, well said. Yeah, honestly, after watching this whole movie, looking at his ruthlessness and even his interactions with Nat, especially after, shortly after his game taking Mary, I really was trying to like, am I seeing something like, you know, did I, were there any clues leading up to it? But there, there were, because he talked about the whole Napoleon thing and he's like, the whole point of that whole entire quote was the fact that he knew he was going to ha- come to his end eventually. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was well-placed and very eye-opening, especially looking at the film again. Do you think he always so- knew from the moment he put that scar into his brother's forehead that his brother was going to be the one that inevitably came back and killed him? It was, it was one of those things where it's like a boomerang right like he knew it was gonna come back yeah for sure and, and then gonna be his end to your point when in hindsight he not is the only person he ever let live like he never let he would have never let anybody else in that position live no one i agree he goes on to tell nat that he became everything that his father tried to clean up and from being And I thought that was interesting. And I thought that was kind of insidious too, because again, with this proposition of stealing from the white banks and $10,000 of additional money needed, he was asking him to do something that he didn't typically do, right? He later then said that you're you're better than me because I couldn't kill my brother. He was antagonizing that. And that didn't seem like he wanted to really kill him at first in no, the sense of he did he was so stunned yeah. by this revelation yeah buck was turned to love you are nathaniel buck take your revenge i was kind of disappointed that his first shot he couldn't look him in the eye though i was a little disappointed in that i think it was just so much to digest and again you realize this man is your brother and he thought he didn't have any family He thought he was robbed of family like that would be overwhelming for anybody this had been your whole life's mission and you realize your whole life's mission was to kill your own brother and if what he said is true about your father the monster that he was your whole family concept was destroyed in a moment so i understood it i felt like it was He's digesting it. And then all of a sudden, because he's antagonizing him, it's like, well, fuck it. I'm about to kill you with every last bullet in this gun. And all the imaginary ones in this clip. (laughs) Definition of empty in the clip. Again, super impressed with this change of events. Honestly, for me, I did have an inkling that they were related. I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on it though. I'm like, he's too young to be his father, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just was wondering. I knew there was some type of familial connection. I just didn't know what. Yeah. Um, but this angle was so much better because, again, as an audience member, my introduction to Nate's father was a man 
of the cloth, right? So you assume the straight and narrow, but when you find out this this mofo, he ain't never been a good dude. So who told us everything we needed to know? <laughs> he was like, it, the fact that his father was so abusive and temperamental that she can overcook or undercook the food and still get these hands every night was just. I mean, again, humanized Rufus for sure. Like you cannot deny the trauma that he would have gone through and the reasoning behind. Even I feel like when we get back to Kill Bill, remember a plot line potentially for a future Kill Bill is going to be the Vivica Fox's daughter is going to come back for Uma Thurman. So that whole concept of a kid avenging their parents' death, regardless of what our initial protagonist issue is, yeah, it's going to happen. So I felt for Rufus, but at the same time, it's Jonathan Major's turn to take you out, baby. So I still couldn't feel bad. Very true. So the movie ends, Ashley, with a view of the graves. L- literally the members that were lost from the love game. We had a grave for Jim, Bill, and Matt. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, what? So, something can be said for simpler times, right? So basically, they asked Reeves, like, hey, you sure this is going to work with Nat being dead here? He was like, I'm the law. I said <laughs> you're dead. You are dead. Right. And so. But um, why did Cuffy go off to work with him, though, do you think? I don't know. I do feel like it was a good look for her, though, though to be a deputy. I think she has what it takes. But maybe it would provide her with a level of stability that maybe hanging out with Mary would not do for her. I don't know. And where did they go off to? Like she said, we got work to do. Where are they going? Into the sunset, Ashley. Well, what's the work? What's the work? Are you think they're now going to be the (laughs) arbiters of Redwood and trying to help that city? Like she was like, we got work to do. What's the work? I was so confused. She owned about three saloons. So maybe she got to check up on it. Okay. Maybe. I was like, where are we going? What is our mission next? But yes, you realize the buys were so legit back then. Like, you never knew if you were going to see somebody you ever never knew. That is so true. Because, I mean, in real life, stagecoach um, Mary made sure that letters were sent via post office, but you never knew what could have happened, you know? Um, but yeah, they go off in the sunset. And one of the last shots we see is Treacherous Trudy maybe still alive. Her that damn bowler bowl hat. hat. Yep. <laughs> like, is there a sequel? And Regina King now is time for her to get her revenge? Like, what's going on, guys? She even talked to, to the point earlier. I mean, she barely could talk before. <laughs> How is she going to talk with, like, no teeth in her mouth? How is that going to happen? So, Ashley, what are your final thoughts on this film? So, the note that I had earlier that I moved to the end because I didn't want to give any spoilers is the reason why it's an A minus is I didn't love seeing black on black crime. I didn't know that this would be black gang mm. against black gang. And that really bothered me for a while as I was watching it my first run through. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't love that. But again, overall, because the story was compelling and because these were actual historical figures and because the cast was so stellar. Um, I can put it to the back of my mind, but that's really just my final thoughts. Regina, I saw the Netflix billboard because acts of the side, you did your thing, girl. Um, To your point, Jonathan Majors is a star out here in these streets. Star. He's amazing. And the 
diversity of his work is yes. just impressive. Yes. And, and I didn't even watch him the way that you have in uh, Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft. So Loki yes. was my first introduction and I am just floored. Yep. So, yep. you know, I, overall, I think um, it was impressive and my A minus stands. What about you? Actually, I want to piggyback on your point on Black on Black crime. You do realize that whenever there are leads um, of color, specifically African-American people, they usually fight each other and not white people, i.e. Black Panther. The whole movie was about infighting. (laughs) That's true. I guess I didn't look at it the same just because I felt like I felt like because it was the Marvel universe, there was so much more in my mind going on behind the sentiments in the film than necessarily this one. But to your point, yeah, it was T'Challa and it was Killmonger. So you're right. But damn, Killmonger was such a good villain. He was, but I don't know when we're going to see a movie with a stellar black cast fighting non-black people. I don't know if that'll happen in a recent... I wish I had a quick example because I feel like they're out there, but I just don't have a quick example that comes to mind. So maybe next podcast, I'll find some and I can mention them. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, my final thoughts. I really did enjoy the movie. The The lines were very clever throughout. When it comes to Westerns, I I'm just usually not a fan of the dust and the horses. I mean, I love a horse. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's just usually not my favorite aesthetic, but I have to say it was very pleasing to watch and you could, you could feel the love. The music was phenomenal. It was just very, it was like for us, by us. And I felt it and I loved every minute for minute of it. So mm-hmm. great job, everybody cast and crew. And I look forward to seeing a sequel. I wouldn't be surprised if there will be. Um, Regina King, aka Treasures Trudy, still out in these streets. Do you think my final question to you, Ashley, before we end this recap, do you think they're gonna get any Oscar knobs? I don't know. That's a great question. You know, even if they do, are they gonna win? Is the question because y'all can yeah. give all the nominations in the world to diversity, but y'all be giving them awards, Emmys, Girl. specifically looking at y'all this year. Um Girl. so you know we'll one see. of my favorite, one of my favorite comedians, Roy Wood Jr. from the Daily Show. He has a special coming out, and the joke is um politicians love to get the black vote but they never want to pass a law. So they're like, give us a law. Give us a law. Here's a mural. <laughs> Here, First thing to get cut out that budget, ain't it? <laughs> so it's like, here's the nomination. No hardware, but. We'll know. give y'all one. We'll give y'all one thing. Maybe a writing credit. No big awards. No, none of the major awards. Obviously, only, I still feel some type of way. Every 10 years, Ashley. Every 10 years. Or we um, all get it in one night, right? Yes. Denzel Washington and Halle Berry. We actually y'all we get it just this one year. You cannot forget City Portier got the governor's award that year. So that's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. It's, like- <laughs> <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. Has Julia Roberts been back since? Has she been back to the Oscars since then? I don't oh remember my seeing gosh. her. No. no no i don't think so she was like oh that's how y'all gonna do denzel okay i'm not coming back i'm just kidding julie i love you 
Well, if there's nothing else, let's get into our hidden gems. Ashley, please go first. All right. I have three, but I'm going to roll through them. Um, Love Life, which was a hidden gem for me previously on HBO Max. This is season two that came out. Season one focused on Anna Kendrick, her love life. This one, our guy Cheedy from The Good Place, a.k.a. William Jackson Harper, replaces her as the star on his journey to find love. So I didn't think there was going to be a second season. This second season popped up out of nowhere. I said, oh, we're continuing on. I love this. It was so interesting. No spoilers, but it is so worth the watch. Arguably, to me, it's better than the first season. So guys, check out Love Life Season 2 on HBO Max. My second hidden gem is Dope Sick on Hulu. This is one I was iffy about because... I didn't. I thought it may be a little bit too dramatic for me, but I, I'm, it's compelling. It's about the opioid epidemic, specifically focused on oxycotton and the means by which it really destroyed communities, especially on the early onset of the drug, um, because of some of the regulations they were able to get passed and USDA saying that it was, you know, a lower level than it really was in terms of addiction. All this stuff. So it stars Rosario wow. Dawson, Michael Keaton, Caitlin Deaver, and Peter Sarsgaard. Um, the addiction on display in this was really tragic, but what's worse is the idea of putting profit in the almighty dollar over everything. So I just encourage everybody to check it out if you're interested. That is on Hulu. And my third and final passing on Netflix. This film is based on the 1929 book starring Tessa Thompson and Ruth Naga. It's in black and white. It's beautifully shot. The premise of an unexpected reunion between two childhood friends with one, Ruth Naga's character, now passing as white. I had a lot of feelings in this film, as it was mm. for me, an unexpected celebration, actually, of Blackness. So interesting. I encourage everybody to check it out. You asked me about whether um, The Harder They Fall will be an Oscar t- contender. This is when I told you I think will be an Oscar contender um, mm-hmm. because of the 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 relevant not only the relevance of the story but the impact of the story so Mm. i encourage everybody to check that out that's passing on netflix what are your hidden gems delora i just have one today and it's literally not a hidden gem because it is taylor swift (laughs) (laughs) for all those living under a rock taylor swift has just released her taylor's version of red And with it came a 10-minute version of a popular song called All Too Well. And my hidden gem this week is the All Too Well short film. It was written and directed by Taylor Swift. And it stars Sadie Sink as um, her. (laughs) Literally, that's the character's name. Um, She's the little girl from uh stranger things the redhead mm-hmm. and dylan o'brien as him and it's very dramatic it's very jarring i will say because everybody's under the impression that this song is about jake gyllenhaal and taylor's relationship and the reason why i was jarring is because she got a young lady and a older gentleman and I feel like you're able to truly see the contrast in their ages um something that I guess we didn't think much of when she was going through it (laughs) oh yeah because she was 20 and he was 29 yep so uh yeah so basically it's about a crappy relationship um and how it really broke her heart Mm. Um, a lot of people are under the assumption that that red scarf is symbolic of 
someone's virginity. Particularly our girl, Sunny Halston on The View. Yes, I was under that impression before Sunny said it. I'm surprised she actually said it on daytime television. So Mm. I was just like, oh, Sunny, you're going there. But (laughs) I agree. I agree. Because she, uh, come on now, Red is, the whole album is about that relationship for the most part. Not all of it, but a good portion of the sad songs are. (laughs) So it was well done. It's given her the momentum she needs so she can go ahead and make those profits. (laughs) Take some money out of Scooter Brian's pocket, I guess. Mm, mm. That's all I have this week, Ashley. All right. Well, that is it for us this week, guys. We will not have a new episode dropping on Thursday as we celebrate the holiday with our families. Happy Thanksgiving! Yes, we hope you have a wonderful time as well. But stay tuned for a new and special episode dropping next Tuesday, the 30th. We have a chat with multi-hyphenate talent, the curvy critic herself, Miss Carla Renata. As we continue our In Conversation series, if you haven't checked out our first with Bosch series producer, Teresa Snyder, please do. Again, happy holidays, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye.